A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy, Happy Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, this it's is been a week. Been an amazing week for Haley. An epic week, let's say. Sure. Right? Yeah. 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 It's the kind of week that movies, Hallmark movies maybe, <laughs> are made out of, right? Because there's lots of negative that happens in a Hallmark yeah, movie, and then maybe then there's a little bit of happy at the end. It's like a happy ending, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So because of all of this epic week, which we'll explain in just a minute, we're actually going to go back and revisit some of our favorite episodes or segments from the past. So this isn't a complete re run of an episode. Right. It's a rerun of a number of episodes crammed together into a brand new episode, right? Yeah, and it's a perfect combination. I yes. think we picked some really good ones. We did. And the reason, we, we got to get to that. Before we tell everybody what's on the show, we got to give them the reason again. And we said it's an epic week, but people don't probably understand how epic. First yeah. off, closed you closed on a house. Closed on a house. How many times do people do that in a life? Probably not that many. Hopefully not. Hopefully not too many times. <laughs> it's it's a new experience for you, right? Yeah, the first brand one. new. Brand new. So big time. You celebrated your 30th birthday. 30. I'm 30. I know. You're ancient. How many times <laughs> do people get to do that? One time, right? And how many times do you get to learn that your upstairs neighbor has bed bugs? We're all in the same week. <laughs> bed bugs. What a birthday uh, present. Yeah. Yeah, and then you woke up with bites on your arm. Yeah, the and next I get day, to right? move into a new house and bring all the bed bugs with me. I, It'll be great. Oh my goodness, there are so many things. So, I sensed a little bit of stress when we started this week. Yeah, just coming off of you, the vibe, <laughs> and I thought, you know, let's just simplify matters uh, and just play some reruns. So, yeah. what we did is we dug into all of the archives that we have got since Haley joined us in January and we tried to pick the best. It was a real treat because, you know, these are great episodes. Really, really great. It was <laughs> tough to find some favorites, but we did. We grabbed one that's a refrigerator repaint project. We also grabbed my favorite, you know, I, and it's yes, my favorite I think for you're a number a of reasons. <laughs> yeah. The fireplace repaint. I had this old 80s brick. We repainted it. We're going to tell you how to do that. The ups and downs, all the little things we learned. And let me tell you, the results, I've been living with it now for about a month or so. Amazing results. The whole room, dramatically different. We'll tell yeah. you everything you need to know about that project coming up. But right now, we're going to revisit a composting segment that we did. Yeah, Black Gold. This was a really good one, and it's super appropriate right now because fall is the perfect time to start composting. It's full of carbon-rich material, and that's really important for your compost pile, and we'll dig into all of that. I think this is a great topic because I had a compost pile at my house originally, and it was nothing but a big pile of yuck to me. It stunk. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, and I just assumed it's just a dumb process. And I think a lot of people feel that way about composting because I had the same thing when we moved into a house um, when I was probably in elementary school in the backyard right in the center there was a pile that was just like an open compost pile the pile the pile and it looked like a giant pile of leaves did you hide in it, it was like, like a leaf pile no it was like really solid and soggy and Yum. yeah my parents were not super happy about having to like shovel that out and just get rid of this yeah. and there's always like a ring in our yard where that used to be <laughs> it left its mark i have the same thing yeah. i got rid of mine because it stunk and it did all these things and i've dug into it since 
And you and I have talked about it. And I think really what it boils down to is I was doing it all wrong. Right. There's a lot of advantage. And that's what we're going to dig into right now. And let's start with just getting what is composting? We went to the Google. Yeah. And the Google says Google says composting is the natural process of recycling organic matter, such as leaves and food scraps, into a valuable fertilizer that can enrich soil and plants. Wow, you really put a lot of drama in there. Yeah, that. you like that? I did. It was actually good. It summed it all up though. Composting is gonna help us reduce waste, you know, cutting down on all these things that we fill our garbage with, that fill the landfills, mm-hmm. things like that. But also by doing that, we're producing great food for the garden. Exactly. You're making your own fertilizer or plant food that you would, you know, go to a garden store to get and spend kind of a lot of money for something that you can make yourself mm-hmm. pretty easily as long as you're following the right process. And right. that's what people kind of fall short of, I think. Right. And that plays into the downsides of composting. The exactly. upsides are what we just talked about. The downsides are, you know, first off, it takes time and attention. Yes. What good thing doesn't, though? All right. <laughs> that's kind of a throwaway point. The two bigger ones are there's a smell involved and pests. Yes. And really, the smell is only present when you don't take the time to do this right. And pests can be avoided um, by the type of composting you decide to do. Right. And I struggled with both of those problems, and I just thought the whole process was bad. Right. It turns out it's my fault. There's a science <laughs> to doing it right. And really, the secret is in the carbon to nitrogen ratio. Exactly. It's that rule of thirds again. And it's, this is our third time yeah, talking the, about the rule of thirds. Normally, in, in terms of decorating, but now in terms of the nitrogen versus carbon, carbon ratio. Yeah, you want two-thirds carbon, one-third nitrogen, and usually people have it swapped, and that's why it takes longer to break down. You get the smell, because it's just not getting enough oxygen, essentially. Nitrogen-rich materials are things like grass clippings, manures, food scraps, coffee grounds, things like that, kitchen waste, green leaves. Those provide a lot of nitrogen. But the carbon stuff, we really have to pay attention to and collect more consciously, because we need a lot of it, and that's things like branches, dried leaves, sawdust, if you've got it around, I guess. Um, Things from inside, like newspaper or paper bags, you can shred down and throw in there too. Um, But straw is going to be kind of the ideal. Right. Two-thirds carbon rich, one-third nitrogen, and you're golden. Exactly. A couple things, though. Not all (laughs) nitrogen or carbon ingredients are created equal. So wood chips, for example, they're carbon Carbon rich, but they might have too much carbon. Right. They're a little too loaded. Yeah. So you've got to <laughs> add them in the right proportions. And at then that pine point. needles, too, can be too acidic. Um, so you just have to pay attention, again, to the science and the pH that you're creating within your compost pile. But then there are some materials that have to be added in very specific ways, too. Like I talked about the brown paper bags or newspapers from inside. You've got to shred those. You can't just throw them in. You've got to make sure that you're creating materials that can be easily broken down in your pile. Right. Grass clippings as well. Don't just dump yeah. piles and piles and layers and layers of grass clippings. It just breaks the process down and you end up with a stink. Yep. Too much nitrogen. It's not layered correctly. So all of that plays in and it sounds a little complicated. Luckily. Yeah, I found a really good chart out there and we're going to put it in our show notes, but it tells you um, kind of the breakdown of the different household carbon and nitrogen materials that you probably have around and the kind of pros and cons, I guess, of each, how to use them in your compost pile. Right. So there's info out there to help you with some of the stuff that maybe seemed more complicated than it should have. Now, okay, those are the things that you should be adding to your compost pile in varying 
ratios. Yes. There are things that should never go on the compost right. pile, though, because that's going to just create problems. First meat. off, meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't put a bunch of meat out there. You're going to have all the neighborhood dogs. Oh, my gosh. You know, meat, bones, fish scraps, all of that's bad. Milk, just dairy, yeah. Inviting problems. Raccoons Pests, are going to find their way. Bugs. Don't add that stuff. Avoid composting perennial weeds or diseased plants. Yeah, you don't want to spread more weed seeds into your compost pile that you're going to put in your garden later. And you definitely don't want to spread disease. (laughs) Right. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, If you add yard trimmings, you don't want to add yard trimmings that have been treated with pesticides. Yeah. Because there are organisms in this system that you're creating that you want to stay alive. To make it work. And you don't want to kill them accidentally. Exactly. Don't include pet manures. This should not need to be said. (laughs) But don't include pet manures in compost that will be used on food crops. Or your own. Yeah. Stay away from... Your own manure? Did you take (laughs) us there? Yes. No. Don't ever do that. This is not a toilet replacement. (laughs) Right. Right. No. None of that goes on your compost pile that's going to be used on food crops. Right. All right. So... That's kind of the sciencey stuff. And then a little bathroom stuff from Haley Sorry. about compost piles. And I guess the biggest question right now is how do we start? What's the best way to jump in and get going? The cheapest and maybe easiest way to start is just on the ground. Okay. <laughs> just on bare earth, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to get super fancy. Um, and that also helps you because it's allowing worms and other beneficial organisms to aerate and also carry your compost to your garden, which is what you're after. All right. So you start with just a space and then you lay down twigs or straw. Generally, you want about a few inches deep. And that's going to just help with drainage and help aerate the pile. Exactly. Add the compost materials in layers. So you're alternating between moist and dry, or as we've been talking about them, carbon and nitrogen. So nitrogen is the activator that's got all the living enzymes, um, but the carbon stuff is going to help provide oxygen. Right. So layer them like that, and you're sprinkling thin layers. Yep. Right? You don't want them to clump together, or it's going to slow down how, how fast it can break down. And you've got to keep it moist, too, and not sopping wet, just moist. It should feel like um, if you've got like a kitchen sponge after it's been wrung out. So there's some water there, but you're not like dripping everywhere. All right. Kitchen sponge like it's been wrung out. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody describe how something feels by that. (laughs) But thanks, Haley. Yeah, you're welcome. I've got a lot of gross. Very accurate. Gross kitchen sponges. (laughs) And that's what I'm thinking about right now. Okay. I don't want your mildew sponge. (laughs) No, you want a good sponge. But yeah, in regards to keeping it moist... You do want to cover it, though, and the covering is going to help retain the moisture and the heat that's in it, but it's also going to prevent it from becoming overwatered exactly. by the rain. That's and what we don't want. To cover it, all you really need to use is whatever you've got around. Yeah, wood, wood plastic, sheeting, um, carpet scraps was listed. I don't... Yeah, that seems uh, maybe random, lots but... Of, seems a little bit... Specific. Backwoodsy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever you got. And the last thing that you want to uh, keep in mind is that it's got to be turned. Every few weeks or so, you give the pile a quick turn with a pitchfork or a shovel. Or an aerator. Right. It's a lot of fun. This part is probably the least fun of the process, yes. but it's really important. It's really important because it's adding the oxygen that's required for the process to work. It's what keeps it from being smelly, like we keep talking about. You've got to have enough oxygen, not so much nitrogen. Right. Now, all of that, we went through it fast. We're going to put more info in the show notes so you can check it out. It's definitely worth digging into. I think it's a really fun little, almost like a little hobby. Yeah, it is a hobby. I mean, you've really got to have time and attention. These things I can use 
at home, this fertilizer. I love it. It's pretty exciting. All right. Now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about different composters that you can buy that will help with the process and a couple of tools that you're going to want to have. Yep. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and Haley, we were talking about composting. We were. We decided it's going to be a new hobby. At least for one of us. It's going to be a lifestyle, Dan. Oh, a lifestyle. (laughs) It's big stuff. It's really cool. I did it wrong previously. I'm excited to give it a try and do it right. Now, if you missed last segment, we talked about kind of the science behind it and how to get it right. Right now, let's talk about some of the tools and items that we can buy. And let's start with the different composters that are out there. Yeah, because there's standard composting bins that I think we probably all think about when we hear composting. Um, It's the classic four walls open on the bottom so it's on the ground and maybe it has a lid, maybe it doesn't. Okay. What are they made out of? They're um, plastic? Plastic, wood. Okay, we could make our own. Exactly. Okay. And that's why they're kind of more of like the DIY, but there's a lot of expensive ones out there too, so it's like the whole range. If spending money's your thing, we can help you out. <laughs> if you want to do it yourself, that's out there too. The good thing about the ones that you can buy is that they're totally enclosed and they've got a door at the bottom, so you can get the really good you know, black gold out for your garden and still have the compost at work at the top. So there are some benefits to them, but the downside is that it's really hard to turn the material over because you're in an enclosed space, right? It's hard to get a pitchfork in there and actually mix it all up. And that's going to be the case with any of these standard compost bins. Exactly. Yeah. That's the downside. Okay. What else is out there? There are tumblers that almost look like a cement mixer type things. Yeah. They kind of look like that or, (laughs) this is going to sound so funny, but uh, you know the little contraptions that they put the bingo balls in to stir them up before they shoot out and say the numbers. Right. It looks like one of those to me. Oh, so it could be a game, too. (laughs) (laughs) You could stir your compost pile and... Yeah. I mean, it's essentially just a round or maybe a hexagon-shaped box, uh, and you've got a little hand crake on the side, so you can turn it without an extra tool. It's a little bit easier, supposedly. So those are tumblers? Yes. Can they be made ourselves, or are those something that we generally want to buy? There actually are DIY tumblers out there where you can put a bunch of holes in a garbage can and just roll it around the yard. Roll it around the yard, and that mixes everything out. It's a little workout. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun, right? So we can make our own DIY one out of a barrel, like you mentioned. We could buy these other ones Mm -hmm. and do that. Now, The downside is that they're kind of small. That's what I was just going to ask. I've got a lot of stuff. That we're going to be composting. And that's probably too small for what I need. Yeah, I think you're more after a big bin or even like a DIY one. Okay. I should just go with the standard bin. Yeah, I think it's probably the most practical. That's the best for me. But the thing that you've got to consider with a bin is that you've got to turn the stuff over still, like I talked about. Right. And that's Are you the saying tricky I'm not part. physically capable? <laughs> I've been going to the gym. I know. And this is just another added workout, another workout. layer for your gym. So You're really going to move fast, Dan. I, I'm going to. I'm going to bulk up really fast. What do I need to pull this off? Either a pitchfork or an aerator. And there's 
things to look for when you're purchasing these because well, a pitchfork. Yeah, that's the one I care about because it sounds more fun. Okay, like you want to be like Farmer Dan yeah. with a pitchfork. So what am I looking for? <laughs> you want something that has fairly light weight to it. Um, Not just for me, can, that's everybody. No, everyone. Everyone's looking for a lightweight, not exactly. me. Exactly. And they okay. range from like five pounds to three pounds. Yeah. So you're looking for like that three pound range. It's just going to be a lot easier because you're lifting heavy compost material to turn it over and you don't have to make it work make smarter, it not harder. Right. Right. So you're not a wuss if you go get the lightweight pitchfork no. you're thinking. Exactly. Right. The length is the other part of it, though. If you have a shorter handle or, I guess, shaft on the pitchfork, then it's going to be a lot less cumbersome when you've got to dig into this bin. It's an enclosed space, so it's kind of awkward. If you have a really long handle, it's going to be even more awkward. All right. So a shorter handle... What about like tines and stuff? I know there's a bunch of different types of pitchforks out there. Yeah, the tines are like the, you know, forks at the end. And there's either flat squared off ones and those ones scoop a lot better. But the thin ones will clog less. So you're spending less time kind of digging out the leaves that are getting stuck in between. So I think that's really personal preference, honestly. Maybe maybe get one of each and give it a try. (laughs) <laughs> Anything yeah. else we need to think about when we're... I never thought a pitchfork had so many options to consider. Who would think, right? But there's like a whole article, well, multiple articles on ratings of different pitchforks. Right. The other big thing is having a handle at the end makes it more ergonomic. You want something to hold on to that's a little bit less awkward than something that is just straight all the way down. Right. right. Another thing that you mentioned was yes, an aerator. aerator. And I think this is what I would use because it sounds like less work. Oh. <laughs> well, then put me down for one of those, too. Yeah. It's um becoming more popular than the traditional pitchfork because they're just a lot easier to what use. What do you do? What is it? Um, you can think about the first type as a corkscrew. And it's just, it looks like a giant version of a wine opener. So you're just kind of drilling into it and you're mixing it up and you're creating oxygen. But then the other one, the one I want, is a plunger aerator. And that's got spikes. So you're just popping holes in it? Kind of. When you pull up with the plunger, there are spikes that fold out. So then it's pulling compost up to the top at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, It's mixing it around. Right. But I don't have to do the whole thing. Just... Yeah. A few areas mm-hmm. and I'm good to go. It seems like it's a lot faster and all easier. Right. We're going to put all of that info in the show notes. You can check it out. Composting. It's doable. Yeah. Everyone right? can do this. Yeah. I screwed it up the first time. I'll get it right <laughs> the second. Now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're talking about that fireplace project. Your favorite. My favorite. It's worth a listen. That's all next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're kind of revisiting some of our favorite segments from the past. Mm-hmm. You had an epic week. Haley turned 30. Just to recap, yeah. you turned 30, closed, closed on, on a house, house, and discovered bed bugs in your apartment. Well, yeah. Well, not in your apartment, in the in the place where your apartment is. Yes. The overall building, which makes a lot of things go off in your mind, right? Exactly. So we decided let's revisit some of the past segments because 
Haley's too stressed out to do new this week. <laughs> and yeah, what what we want to get into right now is a fireplace project that we tackled at my house. And surprise, surprise. Right, because it'll be re- great when I have a house. <laughs> I know I'm gonna be disappointed because we have done so many projects at my house yeah. just to get a feel for how they work. And it's really panned out really well for me. But this project, let's get to this. I had a fireplace, have a fireplace in this back living room, a family room. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's always been kind of a cool room. It's very homey, very yeah, welcoming. It's like a den. A den. But it literally feels like a mm-hmm. den. It's super dark. The walls are what? Kind of a medium beige yeah, kind of a color. Yeah, medium beige. But the fireplace was that 80s brick. Mm-hmm. So real brown, leaning towards the red. Really, it overpowered the room. Yeah. To some extent. You know? I think so. Okay. We got used to it. We liked it, but it was really heavy in the space. And I've wanted for a while to paint it because I've talked to a lot of customers about projects that they've tackled where they've painted their brick fireplaces, or I've dealt with questions about painting a brick fireplace. Sure. And the concept is very, very simple. It's very easy to walk people through the project Definitely. when you haven't done There's it. There's not, not a, a lot, whole lot to of it. prep, yeah. But as we tackled it, we learned it's really good to have done it because there's some pitfalls, would you call it, that we ran into? Things there's that we didn't expect. There's considerations that are in terms of the tools that you use that we didn't really, I don't know, I guess unless you've done it, you wouldn't think that you'd have to go, I don't know, so specific with the roller cover or the brush that you use. Right. But it calls for very specific things. Well, And we learned all of that. So we have taken the hit. My home has taken the benefit, I've taken the benefit, and we've taken the hit of the work to get the information to you guys out there. So if you want to tackle a project like this, and it would work for what? Brick fireplaces? It would work for a field stone. If it's a glazed tile or a surface like that, different prep is going to be involved. Yes. Talk to us in the stores about that. But standard brick, field stone. Makes such a big impact, and I... Honestly, I love white brick in any situation, so Mm -hmm. I was really excited to paint your brick white. (laughs) Until we started, and then the fun did edge a little bit. Okay, this is going to take longer than we thought, Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But let's start with the very first consideration. If you're going to tackle a project like this, and it is doable, and even with all our little bumps along the way and the extra work, it still took four hours total. Yes. That's it. That's that's, two coats and... Dry time in between, trip to the store to get more product, True, all of that. So it's still a relatively short project, but you do want to know a couple of things. And the very first decision that we had to make, and we did this ahead of time. Was the color. Yeah, the color and the paint. And it was kind of interesting because I know I want to paint those walls in that back room. It's a west-facing room, Mm -hmm. so I don't get a lot of light. You know, Normally when the light's coming in, we put the blinds down because it's... Straight into the room. Yeah. So the room always feels dark. Dark in the mornings, dark in the evenings. So I know I want to paint it with something else, but I'm not sure which direction I want to go on the walls. Yeah, you're really unsure about how we were going to pick this white so how do I, not yeah. knowing what the color of the wall was going to be. And I said, well, let's just do white dove. And you're like, well, Yeah, okay, why white why? dove? Because <laughs> it was my go-to. And honestly, it's because I've, one, never seen it not work in a space because it's a really balanced white, and that's what I like about it so much. It's the most neutral of a neutral white. It has equal parts warm and gray tones in it. So whatever you put it next to, it's not going to lean yellow, and it's not going to lean gray. Right. It can work with any wall color. And it covers really well, because it's a straight white out of a can. It's not going to cover and hide as well exactly. as something with a little bit of tint in it. And the white dove on the brick looks white. 
I wouldn't guess that it's an off-white, really. Right. But it's still covered and it looked great and it's going to look great with whatever I choose for the walls. I've got a little more freedom now. I'm not locked in one direction or the other. Exactly. And the white straight out of the can too, not only does it not cover as well, but it actually is just going to lean gray. If you had a really warm kind of like cream on the wall, that white would look a little bit bluish next to it. Right, And so I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to leave my walls for a little bit because yeah. I'm not going to jump into that right away. Exactly. And I don't want to be annoyed as I sit in that room and look at this, right. you know, jolting color variant. <laughs> didn't want to deal with that. So White Dove, that was a great option. Definitely talk through the color choices when you're getting ready to start a project like Absolutely. this. We've got consultants in the stores. Everybody in the store works with color on a regular basis. We can help make some recommendations. The next thing, very briefly, was I needed the right paint. And it's surprising to a lot of people to find out that you don't need a special paint per se. Yeah, just wall paint. Yeah, a wall paint will work just fine. I went with Scuff X because I wanted that extra durability that I could get out of it. I, we do use the fireplace. And it's a wood-burning fireplace, right. so there's going to be wood and things like that. It could get scuffed, and with Scuff X, you're not going to see the scuff. Right, and I chose an eggshell because I didn't want it super shiny. But I did want a little more resistance than a mat would have probably given me. Yeah. So anyway, those are the options when it came to that first consideration. The next thing, really, it was time to get the project prepped. And the thing I love about this project is the prep work in most situations is going to be very straightforward. There's not a lot of washing the walls down or washing the brick down. Mm-hmm. I vacuumed it. I shop vac with a bristled attachment. Sure. Took care of most of it. And I was good to go. Yeah. As long as you don't have a bunch of soot built up on the brick... It's pretty straightforward. I mean, if that's a situation, you just really have to assess what your fireplace looks like. If you do have some more cleanup to do, just stop into the store and talk it through with us because there might be priming that you need to do first. Right. That's all something to consider. Mine didn't need it. Worked just fine. So I got it cleaned off with the vacuum. And then I went around and did the the basic prep work. I taped. One of the things that I I would have done is along the walls where where the brick met the wall. I wish I had put paper behind it. We have masking paper. You can get it in a roll. Very inexpensive. And I could have tucked that right behind that tape. That would have been better when rolling. Yes. That way we avoid some of the splatter that can end up on that corner wall right there. Mm Mm-hmm. It would have been a little bit easier. That would have been easier. And the other, the biggest struggle that I had with the taping, or the biggest thing I was concerned about, was where the brick meets the carpet. Yes. And we talked about this, oh, a couple of months ago yeah. about trim, you know, painting trim. How do you mask trim off when you've got carpet in the room? And the trick is to slide a piece of tape underneath that trim. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it won't slide because the trim is down tighter to the uh, tack strip that's holding the carpet. Then you put like maybe a couple of feet worth of tape down and you leave yep. like a quarter inch of the tape up on that trim and then you tuck it down with a putty knife. Yeah, you just like shove it under. Yep, and I did that with the brick and it it was a little bit tricky in a couple of spots, you know, just tough to get it in there because it was tight. Yeah. But it worked like a charm. I didn't have any paint on the carpet. No, no, it worked so perfectly. Super easy for that. That was the taping. Really, that was about it for the, the, the prep. prep work, except for throwing down drop cloths. Yes. Really, really good argument for having drop cloths and good ones. Buy right. canvas drop cloths. You'll use them over and over again. It was great for this project. Now, all right. Now let's talk about actually applying the paint, because this is where we started to run into obstacles. Yes. When we picked out the roller cover initially, we were deciding between a three-quarter inch nap and I think it was one and a quarter inch. Yep. And Somebody chose the the shorter <laughs> nap. Let's not name I, his name. I initially grabbed the one and a quarter, but then I felt crazy because you were like, I think that's overkill. Yep. So we went with that one. And then as soon as you started rolling that out, 
I knew. Yeah. We were going to have to go get a different roller cover. Yeah. We chose the wrong roller cover and it definitely slowed the project down. And it was kind of fun because we were excited to roll the paint on. You were going to brush it into all the little cracks and mm-hmm. the, the grooves, the mortar joints. Exactly. And I was going to roll it on. We had a whole different picture in our head. We yeah. started rolling and both of us were thinking, oh my gosh, There's this is going so to take much brush forever. <laughs> yes, it's so much work. Thankfully, we knew there was another roller cover that we could get. Yes. And eventually, in about an hour or so after that, you ran out because we needed more paint anyway. That's another That's thing. That's another it thing. took a lot more paint than we thought it was going to take. Yeah. The brick just absorbed it. So plan on a little extra when it comes to paint. And be aware that the thicker napped cover is the way to go. Absolutely. Definitely something to think about. Now, the problem with those thick, thick covers is they, they do spatter. Yeah, because there's a lot of paint that it's holding. A lot. And you want that because it's getting all the paint into those grooves and the cracks. But if you roll quickly... You're going to get a lot of paint splatter now. Yes, a lot of splatter. We we learned very fast not to roll like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, no. We're going to get done time. really fast. <laughs> no, we just painted everything around us. <laughs> so you got to go a little bit slow. The other thing that we ran into that was interesting uh, is the fact that all brushes are not created equal. Right. And, and we knew this. Yeah. But, but there's so much more to it because, yeah, you can get a good brush versus a bad brush. Right. But there's also, even amongst the good brushes, there's different um, bristle stiffnesses. I don't even know if stiffnesses is a word. Stiffnesses. <laughs> but some of them are a little softer. Some of them are stiffer. Mm-hmm. We had really nice brushes, but they were on the softer side. And it really slowed the process down. And when you got the new roller cover, you I brought got back a new brush too. Actually, yes, a yeah. couple of cheap brushes. The Worcester soft tips, cheaper brushes, yeah. but stiffer bristled. And then you brought back a Worcester the Ultra, Ultra Firm. Pro Ultra Firm, yeah. Oh yes. And that one was the best of all. But oh, even by those far. even those cheaper ones. Well, were those fine. ones were a little bit smaller too, the cheaper ones. And I think maybe that's why they were easier in some points because we had to get the brush. You had pretty deep grooves in between those bricks. Mm-hmm. So to get a brush in between, those ones were a little bit thinner. And I think that's why they worked a little bit better. But definitely you want a stiff or ultra stiff bristled brush for this job. Right. So much faster. We were amazed at the difference that took. And yeah, from the time we started rolling paint on, I thought we're going to be here till sometime the next day. Yeah. As soon as we got the right tools, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We've we got had this. two coats on in basically four total hours, as we said. Got all of the things cleaned up. A couple of things to think about as you're removing tape. I, yeah. The only time I got paint on the carpet was when I was removing the tape from you know, the base right along the carpet. Mm-hmm. And the paint that was on the tape, I just let the tape flip over and dragged a little bit through the carpet. Yeah, got it off right away. Yeah, a buddy away. system with yes. tape. <laughs> well, I needed more buddies. And yeah. I needed to slow down a little bit. You know, I was just so excited to see it without tape around it that I moved too quickly. So... Be careful when you're removing tape. And that's with any project. Well, and wait to make sure that the paint is dry between coats, too, because that's the other thing that you wanted to rush. I wanted to rush that. It wasn't fully dry. And you're like, well, let's just get it on there. What's the worst that's going to happen? Like, Dan, you know what's going to (laughs) happen. I know. But I keep thinking that maybe this one time it won't because I just want it done fast. But yes, we waited. And results were great. It was fine. The whole thing looks amazing, right? Yeah. It's a doable project, very easy project. And it's one of those projects, it's like a gateway because now you really want to paint your walls. Yes. So that, be aware of that. I do want everybody to understand that. Full disclosure, you do this, <laughs> the rest of the room is going to look pretty bad until you get that updated too. Yeah. And that's a good thing for me because it's going to compel me. Yeah, it's a motivator. Yeah, to get this done quicker than I would have done. You know, if it was passable, 
I would let it go. And mm-hmm. I would probably never get to a space that was as good as this one's going to be when it's all done. Totally. The kids are excited. I'm excited. Everybody's excited. Mom is over Thrilled. the moon excited. I think she's moving in. <laughs> anyway, it's something to tackle. If you are thinking about a project like that, definitely give us a call. Stop out at any of the Repco Light stores. Chat with us online at repcolite.com. Whatever and share it takes. pictures on Instagram because we want to see your before and afters too. Right. And check out our before and afters in the show notes. Now, all right. Time for commercials. And then when we're back, we're going to be talking about a kind of a strange project, don't you think? It is a little different, but it was inspired by someone on our chat online. Yeah, a great question regarding painting a refrigerator. We're going to get to what you need to do, how long it might last, all of that just ahead. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And Haley, not too long ago, we got a really interesting question from a listener about a refrigerator. They had a refrigerator in their home, mm-hmm. didn't like the color anymore. You know, well, probably... and I've actually seen a lot of this on Instagram lately. You've seen a lot of this on yeah, Instagram? Fridge makeovers. And okay. This question came in, and then I start looking at Instagram. There's all these other ones. Maybe they're listening. Is yeah, they could be. <laughs> or it's just this this idea that's floating around somewhere, and it's catching everybody at the same time. But now I want to do it, because I've got a fridge that's kind of this, I don't know, you called it almond. almond. I guess it was really popular. Oh, yeah. The kids all loved it. The parents were craving it. Almond. Almond appliances, and now nobody wants it anymore. No, well, I have a white stove right next to this refrigerator, so it looks really out of place. And I would love to buy a new fridge, but mm-hmm. that's not going to happen right now. So I could just paint it. I think that's the beauty of paint. Well, and that was the question can I just paint this? Is there a way to bring, you know, make this look white like the rest of everything mm-hmm. until I have time or the budget exactly. to get a new fridge? And the answer, of course, is yes. It is a really simple project, actually. You just need to consider a couple of things, a, f- a few things, let's say. You've got to consider the fact that it's in a kitchen, the refrigerator is, and you're going to have to deal with dirt and grease and all of that buildup. Yep. Just handling it and opening it on a regular basis causes this to happen. You've also got to deal with any rust that you may have. And finally, you've got to deal with the fact that this is a tough-to-bond-to surface. Yeah, my fridge is right next to the stove, like I said, so I definitely have a lot of grease to clean up. Um, I would just use Spray 9 that we carry in the store, use it with a Scotch-Brite pad, and you'll wipe it off with water afterwards, but it works great on this kind of project. Right, it's a great paint prep cleaner. Works on a number of situations, so pick up a spray bottle of that, and you can use it all over the place. Great cleaner, and it's great for just regular cleaning as well. Spray 9. That's to degrease it. Get it wiped down clean. Once you've got that done, really, now we got to move on to the fact that we're painting a tough-to-bond-to surface. And because of that, we'd recommend a bonding primer. And rather than just go straight to the bonding primer, which we'd recommend would be sticks, you potentially could go straight to sticks. But since we like to make sure we do everything to the best of our abilities and we get the best results possible, we'd recommend that you do a light scuff sanding before you go to that primer. It's just extra insurance. Technically, you shouldn't have to do this, but it's really good if you do, just because you're guarding against any chance of failure. Right. So just hit it with a 150 to 180 grit sandpaper, a real light dusting over it, and wipe that sanding dust off with clean water. And then when that's dry, go ahead and roll the sticks on. 
But if you have rust, we have to back up a little bit. So go back after you've scuff sanded, but before you've started this bonding primer, you want to remove any of that rust first. You can use a product called Must For Us. It's by Crud Cutter. It works really, really well. It's pretty impressive. You spray it on, leave it for 30 minutes, and then wipe it off. It's going to remove all of the rust buildup, and it's going to be ready to paint once you've cleaned it with water again afterwards. Right. Now, it may take a second application depending on how bad that rust is, but Must For Rust is a great cleaner to have around for all kinds of different things. I've used it on shovels and hose and things like that. Really, really handy. Must for rust. Check that out. Once you've got it wiped down, you know, you sprayed it with must for rust, removed the rust, wiped it down. Now you want to spot prime those areas where the rust was. And we'd recommend just using an aerosol rust inhibitive primer. Yeah, you don't need to invest in another quart or gallon. Just get a spray can. Super simple. Right. And then once that's dry, now it's time for finish paint. Really a lot of options at this point. Uh, We'd recommend Advanced from Benjamin Moore. That's a great option. It flows out and self-levels so well that you're going to get a great smooth look. Almost a sprayed finish. It's one of my favorite products exactly for that reason. It makes you look like a pro. (laughs) Right. The downside is it does take four to six hours to dry to the touch, 16 hours to recoat. So if speed is an issue and moving faster on this is a requirement, you could go to Cabinet Coat from Inselex, which is a Benjamin Moore company. It still flows and self-levels well, but it's a quicker dry. Now, because of that quicker dry, it's probably not going to flow and self-level as well as the Advance, but you still should get a great finish. Right. Now, Optima from Repcolite is yet another option that would work great. Scuff-X from Benjamin Moore would work well. Whatever you choose, apply any of those that we talked about with a micro-plush roller cover. Ask about it in the store, and that'll give you the smoothest finish possible. Yes. All of this can get you to the point where you don't have that almond (laughs) appliance in the midst of all the other white appliances. You can make it look good, and maybe that will get you by for that little bit until you've got the budget for the new appliance. And there you go. Another episode in the books. A recap episode, right? A best of. A best of in the books. Next week, we'll be back with all new stuff. But if you do want to catch this one again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you'll never miss another episode. Or you can binge on RepcoLite's home improvement show. Episode after episode. It is definitely binge worthy. Now, (laughs) not sometimes it's cringe worthy too, isn't it? Isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, tell them about our Instagram contest that's going on right now in the stores. You can win a solo stove, a smokeless fire pit. You need to look online to see what that is. But entering is really easy. It's a month-long contest. First thing to do is follow Repcolate on Instagram. Next, while you're in the store or just of your project, post a picture to your page and hashtag your Repcolite location. Right. And for your Repcolite location, we have a series of hashtags to use, and you can get that information when you stop out at any Repcolite or Port City Paints. Just ask them. They'll give you a flyer. It explains the whole contest. It's really worth entering. It runs all month long. Winner's going to be announced October 4. And the more you post, the better your chances are. Exactly. Whatever you do today makes your paints a part of it. The Repcolite and Port City Paints are open until 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.